welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest with us this evening, we are happy to have you in service with us tonight. Thank you for being here and those of you, amen, praise God. Those of you that are watching us, whether you're just uh, not connected, not a part of us and watching us, but also to all of you that are a part of us, a number of folks communicated, especially because of some sickness, they wouldn't be here, but they'd be watching. We welcome you, we miss you, and um, amen, praise God. Bet you can't guess, but we went and saw the Blue Angels yesterday. (laughs) Overcast skies. Yep. It's kind of like sin. You don't really know how much it's impacting you till after the fact. I need a little organ now. Boy, I feel a preach coming on. Yeah, so, amen. I know better than that and still did it anyway, but praise God. I, uh, obviously the last several weeks, especially I've touched on different things as I've preached, just not just the physical stuff my wife has been going through, but just some of the other challenges and spiritual, mental probably emotional battles. Apparently there's a wedding next month. Um, We're not talking about that. Brother Jeff Alex brought it up right before church. I don't... But... um, So anyway, I I I got up Sunday morning, kind of my normal, doing my normal routine, and I was sitting there praying, preparing to study, and my, my... mind just being battled and and I went to some verses that I've referenced numerous times through the years in preaching but I've never really stopped and focused on them and uh, I kind of read those verses again and then once again remembered some pretty interesting stuff in the passage and uh, so I I, um, will see where all this goes not only this evening but uh, perhaps beyond this evening, um, we'll, we'll see. So let me, I want to read just a couple of verses. I'm going to read, Lord willing, if we get there this evening, I'm, I'm going to read basically this whole chapter because I want you to hear and get um, the full context of it. But as the starting point, Romans 7, verse number 19, Paul says, For the good... That I would do, for the for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law 
in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is, not was, which is in my members. The Passion Translation says, verse 22, this way, Truly, deep within my true identity, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Deep within my true identity, I could talk to you tonight about an identity crisis, but that's not, the, that's not the topic I feel. I do want to talk to you tonight about dueling laws. Dueling laws. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place, the privilege of being here, the privilege of worshiping you. God, truly it is a privilege to have the opportunity to join together, to join together with people of like precious faith and sing and worship and lift up the name that's above every name. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. None of us have done anything to deserve it. We're no better than anybody else. By your grace, we're here. By your mercy, we're here. We thank you, Lord. God, I pray now that once again you would minister to us through your word, that you would speak to us. Lord, we're living in challenging times. I believe we're living in the times that Paul talked about when he told Timothy perilous times would come. We need your word. We need the power of your word and your spirit working in our hearts and our lives, Lord. So I pray that that would be done in this place tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, I, I, I want you to notice, he says that I find a law, a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Can I, can I tell you, I, I've, I've said this in one form or fashion, I think numerous times, but we, we blame way too much on the devil. In fact, Brother Bard took the words out of my mouth. We give him too much credit. Because the bottom line is, with the devil, when you blame him, you're giving him credit. You blame another human being, that's, that's not credit. Credit we consider to be a good thing. But the devil, when you do a bad job, that's a good thing for him. We blame way too much, which I think is part of the reason why we often are not successful in overcoming Because we're fighting the wrong thing. I believe in the, I believe there's a devil. I believe there's demons. I believe in angels and demons. I believe in the spiritual realm. I believe it's just as real. In fact, it preceded this. So, I, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in all of those things. I believe them. But the problem is when you're binding and fighting the devil and nothing's changing, it, it might be because you're dealing with the wrong thing and you don't deal with, the, with, with your flesh, with yourself, the same way you deal with the devil. 
That's why it's great to come in a service and the devil somehow be stopping it up. Because you can deal with that really easy. It's a whole different thing when what's going on in a service is flesh is fighting. Because if we cast you out, you might take us to court. Paul said, Paul says, when I would do good, I don't. And actually I do what I don't want to do. I was thinking about an old song. I love old songs. I like the new songs too, but some of y'all, you don't like the new songs. I, I, I like both. So I guess that's one reason why I'm the pastor, because all of you that only like the old, we'd still be. Isn't it amazing how we can throw out a song some of you have never heard and you don't need the screen? I mean... We have come into this place. You just say it three or four times and you got it. How about that? Again, I'm not hating on the new stuff. I love it. So, But there, there's, a, there's another one. I was thinking about this one. There's another one, old one. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth I long. To be like him. I, I got this revelation yesterday. No, you don't. No, I don't. The bottom line is if we're singing that song, that's that true identity Paul is talking about. Because the, the flesh, this flesh, oh, I, I want to be like Jesus, but I want to be like the Jesus that stands on the bow of the boat and says, Peace be still. I, I want to be like the Jesus who walks on the water. I, I want to be like the Jesus who takes five loaves and two fishes and multiplies them to feed five. I, I want to be like the Jesus who opens blind eyes and unstops deaf ears. I, I want to be like that Jesus, I, but I don't want to be like the Jesus who says, turn the other cheek. I, I don't want to be like the other Jesus said that says, forgive 70 times seven. I, I, my flesh, and I'm sorry, your flesh doesn't want to be like that. A duel, and I know that's not some deep whatever word, but I just, I especially the second definition I thought was so applicable. A duel is a combat between two persons. Specifically a formal combat with weapons fought between two persons in the presence of witnesses. And then number two, it is, a, this is all according to Webster's, a duel is a conflict between antagonistic persons. Ideas or forces, also a hard-fought contest between two opponents. There are two laws, Paul says, that are at work in you. And they are antagonistic to each other. They are opposing each other. Listen to what Paul says here. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I therefore so... Now, now bear with me. I'm just laying a foundation. This really is some good stuff. <laughs> but, but I think you, you need to hear a few different things that Paul says to, 
to give us, I think, a bit of soberness here. And that is, he, he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But watch this, watch this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The, the, the complete Jewish Bible says it this way, Accordingly, I don't run aimlessly, but straight for the finish line. I don't shadow box, but try to make every punch count. I treat my body hard and make it my slave, so that after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I don't want to be insensitive here. I realize slavery is a very... Uh, sensitive issue. So please, please hear me from the context of, of what Paul is talking about here. But if you have a slave, you, you don't, you're not worried about pleasing the slave. You're not worried about the comfort. In fact, they're, they're a servant, the Bible talks about servants, that's not the same thing as a slave. And even there, the, 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 the head of the house is not First and foremost, concern with pleasing the servant. How many of us can say, I treat my body hard and make it my slave, so that after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The Living Bible, the first part of it says, Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. This is the Apostle Paul saying that I am concerned that after I have done all of this ministry, that I, that I myself might end up lost. It's the Apostle Paul that I've read to you from already that says, the things that I shouldn't do, I do. And the things that I should do, I don't do. If you were talking to somebody who had just been born again, maybe only a couple of weeks or months since they've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, and they're sitting down and they're frustrated and discouraged, and they're telling you, I, 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 man, I, I really want to I really want to do what God wants me to do. I really want to live the way God wants, but, but I'm still doing some things I used to do. You'd, you'd be like, Hey, listen, this is a process. You've, you've just begun a new life. It's, it's okay. Keep, keep repenting. Keep getting back up. It's not that it's acceptable with a brand new person, but it's, it's understandable, if I could say it that way. But, but, again, get who's talking here. This is not somebody who just got the Holy Ghost. This is not somebody who just got baptized. This is a guy that's been doing this for years now. This is a guy, Corinthians is, is, uh, is it's like, 1 Corinthians is like the third or fourth epistle, I think. If you read your Bible, if you think the Romans and 
the, the order of the epistles in the Bible in the New Testament are chrono. They're not. That's not the chronological order. So again, I, I, I think, in fact, Romans was one of the later ones. But, but 1 Corinthians, I, I think it's like the second, third, maybe fourth, somewhere in there. The, the point being, he's already written, he's already said some revelatory... This is not a brand new person. In, in fact, this is a guy who is sold out. I mean... We, we've been using the term for several years now, and it's awesome, and we still use it. It's great. All in. But it's one thing to say all in. It's easy to say all in. No offense, it's easy to wear a shirt that says, it's easy to wear a button that says all in. It's a whole different thing to be all in. And I think next to Jesus Christ, if any human being was ever all in... Paul was all in. And yet he's the one saying, I'm supposed to be doing these things and I don't do them. And I shouldn't be doing these things and I do them. Paul. Listen to what Paul says. And in, 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 in we're going to read these verses again, and this verse again in a little bit. But... He says, Romans 7, verse 18. This is the Amplified Bible. For I know that, that what? I know that nothing, no thing. I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Who's talking here? Paul. I mean, if anybody had something good in their flesh, surely... Surely Paul had something good in him. If Paul didn't have anything good in him, I am doomed. And yet he says, I, I know, I know. Man, this is, this is just, this is so contrary to the ego-stroking Theology we hear today. This is so contrary to all the motivational speaking we call preaching on Sundays. Which it's no wonder, again, why we are where we are. Because we don't, I mean, I, I don't, Josh, I think you're a great guy, man. I know you're not a, I think you're a great guy. I know if I needed something, I know you were, you were someone I could call on. And if it was at all in your power, you would. To think that in you, there is no good thing. 
no good thing. Boy, if we could amplify the thoughts in this room right now. Because I'm pretty sure there are some that are absolutely contrary to what I am saying. I don't know about everybody else in here. But I got. Paul says, in me, there is no good thing. I mean, if Paul says that about him, then... He says, I, he says, I know that nothing, nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. Because obviously we got the Spirit of God in these tabernacles that we live in, but that, that's our soul. Our bodies, our, our, our natural carnal nature and tendencies. He says this in Romans 8 verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors. We are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Here's the problem is that none of this, to, to my knowledge, from my personal experience, none of this is a one and done thing. In fact, the scripture says that we are to die daily. We are to die daily. There are, there are, there are some moments, there's one especially that I always think of, there are, but there are, there's, I know there are a few others that don't quite come to mind as quickly, but I know there are some major milestone, major memorials in my life of moments of surrender. The one that always comes to mind, some of you have heard me talk about it before, but it was my last year at youth camp, I think I was 18, and it was my last time to ever be at youth camp as a as a camper, and we were at Roxbury Campground, which now back there for several years now. Brother Morell Cornwell was the preacher that week at night. At that point, all of the night services were run by the adults, basically, and so it wasn't, it wasn't a youth-selected speaker, per se, and... Uh, that tabernacle, some of you have been there, was pretty full a lot of times up there on, and back then. And, and I, I can't tell you the message. I wish I could remember the message. I don't know the message that he preached specifically. All I know is that at the end of that message, I went down to the right side, and there's stairs on the right side. There's stairs on both sides, but I was on the right side. And I knelt down at those stairs, and, and that is a moment that I know I said an absolute, complete, Yes. Not yes, I'll be the pastor of Antioch Central, but yes, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Whatever that is, wherever that is, yes. If you send me to be a missionary someplace, yes. But I got to tell you, there have been 
dozens and dozens and dozens of other moments of needing to surrender again. It wasn't, they, they may not be quite as major and significant as that night and that moment, but surrender is not a one-time thing. I die daily. So when he says, mortify the deeds of, of the flesh, he's not talking about you kill it and it's all done. As long as you are breathing, this is an ongoing process. And the Amplified says it a little more clearly. Verse number 12, So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal flesh to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, watch this next part, if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. If you are habitually consistently, regularly putting to death the evil deeds that are prompted by the body, the flesh, you're you're going to live forever. But you've got to be habitually doing it. It, 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 it's no wonder sometimes we get, at the, very, at the very least, we get stagnant in our relationship and our walk with God. And usually we don't just get stagnant and stay in the same place. We start losing ground. Again, I believe in all, I believe in the, in the absolute importance and blessing and benefit and necessity of gathering together as a body, whether it's a, a church service, small group stuff, other type settings. But, but let's just say on sort of the, the typical week, if you are a faithful three-time-a-week church member here, but if it's just those three times a week that you're working on this flesh... You're losing. I'd like to say maybe you're sustaining, but you're probably not sustaining. If the natural, and it is, but if the natural is any parallel of the spiritual, and it is, just think about your natural bodies. You know... If we were to come in here and paint this room, we could paint it and it's done. it is now painted. It's complete. It's finished. You did it. I, I was at the Y earlier today for a little bit. I am not now in shape. In fact, I know now even better. 
that I'm out of shape. The last several months, basically, with my wife, I really haven't been doing much of the stuff I try to do, and not faulting her, I'm just saying. So I, this week, I, I, I got to get skinny. There's a wedding next month. I went a couple days ago, and then I went again today. And Do you know how awesome it would be to go to the gym, work out, and you've now made it? It takes, unless you're using something you shouldn't be using, it takes months. I know I'm 50 years old now and I shouldn't care about all this stuff anymore or whatever, but I, 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 I'm trying to not to be vain, but at the same time, trying to, trying to do a decent job of taking care of this temple. And the older I get, the more difficult that is. And all of the people older than me are just like wagging their heads right now like you have no idea. Oh, my goodness. I've gone through it just in the last several years, a couple different times. I've gone through a couple of months at a time where I've been at the gym several times a week, lifting, whatever, and I'm standing there in the mirror going, I don't see any difference. I mean, I'd like to be married another 30 years if Jesus don't come. You know, I'd like to be able to, you know, show my better half. Anybody ever feel that way spiritually? Well, I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been reading my Bible. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. The bottom line is you are progressing. It is changing. There are good things happening. But here's the part that I hate. If why couldn't it be that the day I, you know, if I have to miss a couple of weeks, why can't I at least stay where I got to? Man, I, when the older you get and it's like and you haven't worked out or exercised regularly in a while, you now have the experience of knowing how painful it is to get back doing it. I'm going to go to the gym for an hour so I can be in pain for three days. The bottom line is, if you don't press through, I now am using a little more wisdom. If I go through those spurts I haven't been, I don't go back and try to be right where I was. I'm getting a little bit smarter. But I can remember some days when I was younger. Hadn't worked out in a while, and I go to the night. I lift every bit of weight I'd been lifting, doing everything. And the next several days, I'm like, I don't know how to get my food from down there to up here because this thing ain't moving. I, I, so I, you know me, you know, natural parallels and whatever. So I, here we are. I'm, just, I'm in it and I'm going to keep going. If I don't help you one way tonight, hopefully I'll help you another way. I feel like I'm riding one of those. I feel like I'm riding a rebel yell. Anybody ever ride the rebel yell? 
King's Dominion, that old wooden roller coaster. Them old, them old roller coasters are basically all about the hills. I, I've, man, the last couple of years, especially one, this is going back to 2020, I'm riding this with my weight. It is so stinking hard to get any of it off. And I walk by the candy counter. If the spiritual, I told you this was good, it was going to get good. Hopefully we'll get to the good tonight, not next week. (laughs) Although if you'll hear what I'm trying to say and not mishear me, it still will help you. Because some of us get so frustrated. Because we work out every now and then spiritually. And expect that it transforms us because we went to the spiritual gym for an hour. Again, I've said this before, and I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody, but you know, they, they still haven't gone back. to The guys I used to play racquetball with in the mornings, they, are, they haven't gone back to doing that yet. And, but but I, I remember through the years, man, I'd go to the gym three mornings a week playing racquetball, and I'd see these guys there that were there every single day I was there. In the weight room, other stuff, walking around the gym. I'm like, what is the point? You could be in bed. Why are you here being miserable? It doesn't look like it's helping. I came to the conclusion... Maybe what was going on is at least by coming, it was sort of holding things at bay. Because if, again, I'm, I really, hear me please, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying, I'm just, this, it's just an analogy that works. I'm like, if you're that size and you come here all the time, then I guess, and, but I've been there. I've lived for years where I've gone playing racquetball multiple times a week. And, and at the very best case, my weight has just stayed the same. Except I've also gone three times a week, sweated myself for an hour and a half, and my weight's going up. Why? Because my intake outside is... You, you, you can't spend three times a week here. And expect to get your name in Hebrews chapter 11. Done all these great things through faith because three times a week. Again, it boggles my mind. There's not a person here that willingly would choose to eat only three meals every week. Willingly, voluntarily choose. To just eat three meals. I'm going to eat Sundays. Of course, if it went the way we churches, and it, those three meals are two days out of the week. Anybody leaving here tonight not planning to eat until Sunday? If you are, you're probably fasting and you don't need to raise your hand because then you ruin the point of your fast, so it's okay. I'm, I'm not... I'm trying to get ready for that wedding, but I'm still planning to eat before now and Sunday. 
In fact, I plan to eat multiple times. I'm going to try to eat a little bit better things, but I'm still going to eat. How in the world do we think we're somehow going to be, become, not just be saved, but we're going to become everything God wants us to be by eating three times a week? When in your flesh there is no good thing? Here's the flip side, and let me throw, throw you a bone for a second. There, there's really a, there's, there ought to be a bit of a relief in this. Wait a minute. Man, if Paul's saying that. Of course, there's two ways to take what Paul said. One way, which is the way we shouldn't take it, but one way to take it is, oh my goodness, if Paul, at the level he was in God, still had that kind of struggle, I am absolutely, there's no hope for me. I might as well quit, I'll never get there. True, but that's, there's, there's another way to take it. You know what? If Paul was still struggling to do right and not do wrong, as spiritual as he was, man, there's some hope for me. Because I can relate to... There's some things Paul says I can't relate to. But I can relate to that. I can relate to having a carnal mind. I, I can relate to this conflict... Of wanting to do good, wanting to do right, but I find myself... I'm pretty sure Paul wasn't talking about just bold-faced whatever sin here. Neither was he saying any of this to be an excuse or a cop-out for his... It's like David in Psalm 51 when he says, I was, I was shapen in iniquity. He wasn't saying that because he was a victim. And he wasn't saying, you know, God, I'm sorry I messed up. Look, at this is my environment. That's... He was just making, he was acknowledging the truth. So Paul's not making a cop out by what he's saying. There, there are these two laws that are in me that are fighting against each other. I don't, I, it frustrates me to no end. It's all of the, I, man, God could have, I, I said it last week at men's conference. God can do anything, right? He, I mean, we all know you're supposed to drink water. You need to drink water. How many of you can, you're in the church, so don't lie in the church. How many of you can say you honestly, truly drink water because that's what you like to, you just like water? I figured I'd get a couple hands. I don't know about all of y'all. I'm, mm, I don't know about that. I thought I'd get some hands, but I didn't. How can, I mean, the bottom line is I don't even, I, bought, I, I trust some of you, but I don't understand. How can you love and like what doesn't taste? Do you know God? I believe God, Brother Andrew, God could have easily created us to have the same need for water, same need for intake, but he could have made it taste like southern sweet tea. Do you know how much water I would drink every day if it tastes like southern sweet tea, but it was, was just water? But, 
Why, why is it? And this, I, this is another one I've harped on before. Why is it, Brother Kevin, everything, Brother Allen, everything I want to grow in my yard takes so much work? Well, he just shot me down on that one. (laughs) God bless you. You're dismissed. I'll see you on Sunday. (laughs) I I was walking around the other day, and and all over, we we got a bunch of pea gravel that's for paths and walkways and all this stuff. And there's all these nice little green leaves popping up in it. I didn't plant those there. I don't want them there. Isn't it amazing you got to work to get the stuff you want and you don't have to do anything to get all the stuff you don't want. It works the same way spiritually. If you are not working on your garden, your spiritual garden, if you are not weeding and taking out the stuff that's trying to go that doesn't belong there, you're going to get all that stuff. You may get some good stuff. Again, I, I, I probably shouldn't tell you I said it before because you may not remember I said it before. So you think it's the first time, but that, that we've been living where we are for four and a half years now. And, and there are just some amazing, I mean, of course, you've heard about my azaleas. And, but there's some amazing shrubbery and, and things in that yard. But man, there's trees. There's some trees that literally have vines that are that thick wrapped around them that it's it's i've tried and i've i've recognized the only way to if i'm in it, the only way to get that vine out of the tree pull it it would be to ruin the tree so you just go in there in the bottom and cut out a chunk of it so that it cuts off the life but it's stuck you know how much easier it would have been if when that was a sprout or when it had just barely started up the trunk of that tree, if somebody would have came along and pulled it? You know why the devil wants you getting so caught up in fighting him? Because you're not paying attention to some stuff that's sprouting up. Because the more you keep focusing on fighting him, there's stuff that's taking over your life. That it's not his fault, it's life. The way it is, the stuff you don't want comes, and the stuff you want, you just it's a challenge. Paul says that in me there is no good thing, and in me there are these two laws that are working. And, and as best I can tell in studying this and reading and, and, and cross-referencing verses and whatever, especially since Sunday morning throughout my week. I don't find anything, I don't find anything where it says that that one law in you ever just dies. There are times when it's more under subjection than others, but it's never completely gone. You've got to continue working Here's part, of the, here's part of the positive point you got to get. We spend so much time beating ourselves up because there's this other law working in us. 
And the enemy comes along, you must not be saved, you must not be serious about this, you must not really love God, because if you really love God, this wouldn't be happening. But Paul says, I've got this other law in my flesh, I've got this conflict that is going, I've got this battle that is going on, and there's all because the moment you give the flesh an inch, takes a mile. That's why I like, let me, let me get back there real quick. That's why I, I, I know you're not supposed to pick and choose, and I try to make sure if I pick and choose, I do it in the right way, the right context. But that, that's one thing I love about the Passion Translation. Truly deep within my true identity. I love to do what pleases God. Deep within my true identity, I, I, I don't know about you, but, but there's times I'm struggling with, uh, who am I really? Because I find myself in this conflict. I know I should pray, but I don't pray. I know I should do this, and I don't do this. And, and I know, and, I, and, I, and, and, and oh. my true identity. My true identity. I love to do what pleases God. My spirit man, my carnal man doesn't. And it never will. That's why we, we, we teach, we haven't done made to be pure in a couple of years, but we, we teach that you know, not only should you not have sex before marriage, you really shouldn't be doing much touching because that's what kind of leads to the other. thought maybe I'd get through one night without... I, how do you just start on a path with a point and then it just poof, just gone? Gone. Why was I saying that? There was a reason. Looking back to my cousin who usually bails me out, he's got no help for me. Where, where, where was I going? Just love these moments. Oh, well. I think it was going to be a really good point, too. <laughs> so in the meantime, rather than staying here continuing to look lost, I, I, want, to, I want to read, and I want to read it first. I, I, hopefully you'll follow along and not, not check out on me. But I, I want to read this, most of this chapter to you from the King James because the King James is not the divinely inspired translation, but it is one of the more accurate ones and personally my opinion if you're going to if and when you give time to trying to memorize scripture i i personally think the key king james is a good one for that some of these others get a little bit too watered down and too whatever so 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 try to bear with me i, I i'm probably not just going to read straight through i'll probably get stuck a point or two here but verse five he says it again this is the king james for when we were in the flesh, 
the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Ah, I know what. See, there it is. I have to embarrass myself first. So if you're single, you can pray and fast all you want to pray and fast. There are God-given desires. There are God-designed things that happen. You don't ever pray and fast enough that you get rid of desires. You need to pray and fast enough that you keep them under subjection, keep them under control, but you're not fasting and praying to get rid of them. So... There, there's some things we've, we've got to understand that, that I'm, I'm not, it's not that I'm ever going to get rid of this. I've got to keep it under subjection because the moment you give the flesh an opportunity. Oh. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in, the, in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That's desire. For For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin, by the commandment, might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I want to do it. I've got the right desires, but I don't have what it takes. That's why that I'm a little bit concerned, especially in the context of this this evening and what I've been studying throughout this week. I'm a little bit concerned that the enemy is used to kind of tricked us into this thing of this whole uh, uh, discipleship buzzword thing. For probably about a good four or five years now, it seems like there's been this surge in the idea of disciples. My, my, uh, should we be disciples of Jesus? Absolutely. But that cannot be some kind of intellectual ascent. Discipleship is not some kind of an intellectual pursuit. Because I may want to do good, but I don't know how to do it. I may want to do right, but I don't, I don't know how to do right. 
I got the right desires, but my actions don't always. I know I ain't talking to nobody here tonight. You're just. I know y'all all just sitting there. Oh, man, we got to get another pastor. What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Again, I, I'm talking to people here tonight that hopefully you're not, you know, I'm not going to go out and kill anybody tonight. Not, and you go, uh, uh. how about, how about, you know what, the next time so-and-so says that to me, the next time they treat me that way, I'm going to respond with kindness and grace. And they go treat you that way again, and what do you know? The good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. I would venture to say there's not a person in this place tonight that does not have some level of a desire to pray. I'm not going to ask for any hands, but I wonder how many people in this place tonight have had no personal prayer time today. So does that mean you're a hypocrite? Does that mean you don't really want to pray? No, you got two laws that are working in you and they're contrary to each other. Again, I'm not here tonight trying to give you an excuse, a cop-out. I'm here tonight to help us face reality. I'm never going to get so spiritual that that other law is not trying to work against the spiritual part of me. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I. It is no more that I. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There's something inside of me. Was it somebody help me, please? I meant to look this up today and, and I forgot to go back and do it. I think it was David who talks about, I delight to do thy will. I delight to do your will. That, was, was it David that said that? I delight to do your will. Wait a minute. If you delight to do his will, what in the world are you doing with Bathsheba? Hello? You, you delight? You delight to do his will, then, then you should not be committing adultery. Was David lying? No. There, there is down deep inside. There is a desire. I know it's there. there. In fact, the bottom line is, the fact that you're frustrated is an indicator it's there. The fact that you're upset that I know what to do, but I'm not doing it means it's there. I'm not justifying your lack of action, but I'm telling you, we got to stop letting the enemy beat our brains out. 
I, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm usually not fishing. I am, I, am I making, I feel like I'm just getting, I know you're soaking it all in. You're just listening. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, 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 it's, the next, it's the next chapter, if I, even, if I can get through this chapter. It's the verse one of the next chapter. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. I have to tell you, up until today when I was studying and looked up the word, I've always just thought of condemnation as being this negative voice. It's this accusing voice. Condemnation, that's the voice that when you mess up, it, you know, you're bad. Do you're... you know that, that, that word, if you look up the word, it, it really doesn't really say that. Or... I'm not saying it, that's not a part of the meaning, but... but... What the word condemnation basically means a sentence against. You're condemned. A sentence. So when Paul says, this is really greater than just that little nagging voice. When Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation, because, let, let me finish it, let me just finish the chapter here really quickly. I, I, I delight. In the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then it's the next verse where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So again, I remind you that chapters and verses in the Bible were not there in the original that's put there for the ease of our reference. So 8 and 1 is not some brand new change of thought. 8 and 1 is just the continuation of 725. So he goes from all of this stuff about the law and the conflict. I want to do right, but I find myself not doing it because there is this law that is, that is in me that is contrary. And, but then he says, there's no condemnation. Then what he's saying is, even with all of those struggles, there's not a sentence against me. Because I, it's, even though I've got this, this, this up and down, this back and forth, I'm not condemned to death. There is victory that I have. There is victory that is at work in me. Again, if I... Got it correctly now in the sort of the purest definition of the word condemnation. It's not that voice, but I think there is an application. And that's, that's part of the difference between conviction and condemnation. They sound similar words, but they're very different. And to me, part of the fundamental difference between conviction and condemnation is this. Conviction deals with what you've done. It deals with you over what you've done that you shouldn't have done or you're not doing that you should do. Condemnation comes against you. Conviction addresses the act or the struggle. Condemnation addresses you. Condemnation says you're bad, you're a failure, you messed up, you're this, you're that. True conviction doesn't cause me to be depressed. True conviction helps me to change because true conviction gives me hope. 
I'm on. A, I, I, it's getting kind of late. I, I, I may not make it through it, but I want to. I, I want to read, and I'm going to start with verse one with this. And uh, it's it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's I'm using it more and more. It's got some great ways of saying this. So I I, I want to read. We'll see how far we get in the next few minutes here, but I want to read these verse, this chapter to you from the Passion Translation. There's there's headings. It's not the only translation that does this, but the the words in bold is the heading for this section. So verse 1, I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. I, I, let, me, let me back up here. Maybe I, I may not even get to reading that tonight. So. I remember several years ago, I don't know, it's probably more than I think it was because time just flies. But I remember several years ago, I'd say probably at least around 10 years ago, though. My wife and I, we were in the middle of one of those kind of not-so-great times in our relationship, just struggling. And, and I don't remember how she said it or what she said it, but she basically expressed some frustration over the fact that here we are married 15, 20 years, and we're still having struggles and arguments and fights, and not physical. but And it just kind of hit me. And I responded and I said, you know what? The good news is 15, 20 years later, we're still fighting. We're still having to work through arguments and disagreements. Because the alternative is we've gone our separate ways and we're not working on it anymore. It's kind of the same thing in your walk with God. The fact that you're still feeling something. The the bad thing is not when you mess up and you struggle over messing up. That's not the bad thing. That's the good thing. The bad thing is when you sin, when you mess up, when you fail and you don't care. You don't think twice about it. You don't repent over it. That's when there's a problem. The problem's not falling and realizing you fell and going to God and asking forgiveness. That's not the problem. It's when you stop doing that. It's when you fall and mess up and don't think twice about it and just keep going like nothing. That's when there's a problem because that means that law in the flesh is really starting to dominate if the law of the Spirit is having no more impact. So when I go through a day and I get to the end of the day and I know, man, I just didn't spend the amount. I'm not talking about the religious activity and checking a box, but I didn't, I, I didn't spend any time in prayer. I, I didn't, I didn't really have any value and any any uh, uh, concentrated fellowship with the Lord today and I, I'm laying down trying to go to sleep and that's rolling around in my mind that's a really good thing it means there's a law that's still working it means there's a law in me that's still trying yes there's this law that's fighting against it but there's this other law that's still at work the bottom line is I I, I believe with all of my heart you wouldn't be sitting here tonight maybe on a Sunday morning when that's kind of the norm but you wouldn't be sitting here this evening on a Thursday night when you've been working all week long and going through you wouldn't be sitting here this evening if there wasn't that law of the spirit that was at work in you if 
people sitting in this room right now, you have wanted many times to throw in the proverbial towel. You've been on the verge. You're just ready to quit. I'm tired of struggling. I'm ready to, I'm done with it all. But that other law just won't let you quit because your true identity somewhere down deep inside, I delight to do your will. I don't always do your will, but my true identity delights to do your will. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I got to read a little bit. I, I gotta, I'm going to let you go, but I got to read a little bit. I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law? For example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until separated by death. But when one spouse dies, the other is released from the law of the marriage. So then if a wife is joined to another man while she's still married... She commits adultery, but if her husband dies, she is obviously free from the marriage contract and may marry another man without being charged with adultery. So my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you now bear spiritual fruit for God. When we were merely living natural lives, the law through defining sin actually awakened sinful desires within us which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. How many of you sitting here tonight, and some of us were raised in church, but for those of you sitting here tonight that you got into church as an adult, you you don't have to raise a hand if you I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. But how many of you, there are things that now you wouldn't think of doing. You couldn't, somebody couldn't pay you to do. That before you were born again, you did them all the time and never even thought twice about them. Lifestyles, activities that were, you did them, you didn't even think about them. But what happened? The law awakened something in you. That's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Paul said, I, I didn't know what covetousness was until the law... The bottom line is... If the law hadn't awakened it, I was living dead. Because until you're born again, you're really never living. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to what once controlled us and our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of li- by the obsolete way of following the written code so that now we may serve God by living in the freshness of a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, that's all awesome, wonderful stuff, but th- that doesn't mean the other thing is dead and gone. First John 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. What is Paul saying there? 
until I get there, until I get my glorified body, there's always, I'm I'm never, I'm hope that I'm getting more and more like Jesus every day. But as long as I'm in this life, I'm never going to be just like him because I've got this old flesh that always wants to do its thing. Let me see if I can at least, well, I don't know where I'll get. I got to quit. The purpose of the law. So what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law, it was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. For example, when the law said, do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. For in the absence of the law, sin hides dormant. Without the law, you don't know what you're doing. You don't, you... And again, the problem is you're living without the law and you're not living. So you need the law to awaken in you knowledge of God's law so that you can now learn how to truly live. But again, what Paul says in another place, if any man be in Christ, he is a... New creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Another one of those verses I've used many times, but I'm going to use it again tonight. There's not a person in this place that can honestly say that from the moment you got out of the baptistry or the river, wherever you got baptized, the bathtub, the hot tub, whatever it was, wherever you got baptized, there's not a person that can say from the moment you got out of that water, you had no more struggles, you've made no more mistakes. Some got baptized, and when they got baptized, they had addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, cigarettes, and in the water when they got baptized, God instantly delivered them. They got out of the tank and never struggled one more time. Others got out and kept struggling for some period of time before they ever finally got fully delivered. So when Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new. When you and I continue with some degree of struggles and difficulties after we're born again, does that mean the Word of God is not true? No. What it means is this, when you are born again and surrender your life to Jesus Christ and make up your mind, I'm going to take up my cross and follow Him, then that means He has begun a good work in you. And the promise is this, if you will let Him, He that has begun a good work in you is going to finish that work. And so in my opinion, when Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new, Paul Paul is declaring the end of the thing from the beginning because Paul also says in another place, God calls those things that are not as though they were. So I'm not yet to the place where I've got no more struggles and no more failures and no more shortcomings. But as long as I, in fact, that's what John goes on to say, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So while I am here and what I'm going to be, 
Ruby is somewhere over there. If I'll just stay in the process, I've got something that's working down on the inside of me that is going to do whatever is necessary to get me to that completion. Oh, I just, I, I'm going to stop. I'll, Lord willing, I'll pick up next week. I just, can I, I just wish, I wish somebody, I wish somebody would leave, would walk out of these doors tonight feeling that load. It's not, man, I'm still struggling. It's, man, I'm still struggling. It's not, what's wrong with me? I'm still struggling. It's, Hey, I'm still struggling, and I'm going to keep struggling until I get victory. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know when I'm going to get, I don't know when I'm going to get over it, but I'm going to keep struggling. And by the way, devil, I'm sorry about everything you're saying, but there is no sentence against me because the blood of Jesus has done and is doing everything necessary so that I can reach that final goal. Man, there's some really good stuff in the rest of this chapter, but i got to stop. You can go cheat and read it tonight. All you got to do is go online and Google Passion Translation. There are and there will be. How many of you, how many of you have been here, maybe not necessarily at Antioch per se, but how many of you have been, it's been 30 plus years since you were born again? You got it all together, don't you? Be still. Don't move. Don't respond because I don't want to cause any... I don't feel like counseling, marriage counseling tonight. I bet you he does everything. Just The only thing you can do is, Lord, give her grace, permission to lie for just a moment. I bet he loves you and treats you every single day, every moment of the day, just like Christ treats the church. He's, she's saying yes. She, I know, I did. I mean, I don't know that I can forgive your lying, but I did say you could. <laughs> what do you mean? 30, 30, 35 years and you're still not treating her like, are you kidding? What's wrong with you? I got a question. Is that your goal? Is that your desire? To treat her like Christ treats her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet all of you others that raise your hand living for God 30 years or more, you could teach us a class on prayer, how to pray every day, powerful prayer every day. You probably could just... We, if, we, you, if I gave you every Thursday night for the rest of the year, it wouldn't be enough time for you to download all of your wisdom and experience on how powerful your prayer life is now. But you're still here. You still pray. Maybe not always as much, but you still pray. And the bottom line is, I don't know about you, but I've learned is every time I pray it just actually makes me want to pray in fact usually after i get done praying i'm like my again i'm not talking about some religious little box i'm talking about true fellowship when i get done i'm like why don't i do that more 
the Apostle Paul has got had at this point in time that he wrote these verses. Two laws still working against. My concern tonight is not those of you that are struggling. I, I'll, I'll skip the rest. Hopefully I'll come back to it next week, but, but, but I, I will, I'll close with this. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Your carnal mind cannot be subject to the... It's your inner man that's subject to the law of God. The Amplified says it this way, that is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The Living Bible, because the old sinful nature within us is against God, it never did obey God's law and it never will. Never will. It is the, your natural man, your carnal man, is the enemy of God. And just like back to my earlier analogy of going to the gym. It doesn't matter how many months you've been going. It doesn't matter how great of shape you've gotten in. Just a couple of days of nothing and you lose way more than you gained. So it is. If I decide... My spiritual man is not fighting. I'm just going to put it on cruise control. They don't, they don't, there's, it's not a standoff. <laughs> not a standoff. Your flesh is always trying to gain more control. Always. I want you to stand. Jesus' name. We just take a moment here. I've gone a little bit longer than I intended, whatever that means. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I finished my point earlier or got distracted like I often do. I just, I, I wish somebody, I wish more than one person, but I wish somebody would walk out of here this evening with that voice of accusation silenced. That yes, I'm sorry, but unless I'm missing something here, it is a fact and will always be a fact. I've got two things that are at odds in me. But that doesn't make me a terrible person. That doesn't make me a flawed person. That doesn't make you less of a person than somebody else in the kingdom. Father, I pray. God, I pray somehow that tonight would not just simply be teaching and maybe what could possibly even be called good teaching. 
God, I pray that there would be revelation that would rest upon our minds and our spirits. Revelation, God, not only of who we're fighting, that if the enemy's fighting us, then we fight the enemy, but we've got to understand that there's a lot of times, there's a lot of days, it's not the devil we're fighting, it's not some spiritual attack from the enemy, it's just, it's just that other law that's trying to take control in us, that's working against the law of the Spirit. God, I pray that you would help us to better identify the enemy that we are fighting so that we can more properly, effectively fight. God, I also pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in this place tonight that the enemy tries to heap guilt and shame and condemnation upon us because there are those laws, those contrary laws that are working in us and He tries to make us feel like we're failures because of that. I, I pray, God, that You would let a revelation and an understanding rest upon us. There is a battle. There will be a battle. But we can win the battle. The spiritual man can be victorious. In the name of Jesus, Lord, Your Word says it. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is no sentence that is passed against us because of the laws that are working in us that are contrary to each other. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. Thank you for the power of your blood. Thank you for your grace, Lord, that empowers us and strengthens us. Thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that there would be a renewing of our minds, Lord. Your Word says that we are transformed. We are changed by the renewing of our minds. Let there be a renewing of our minds in this place right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Again, and I trust those that have helped me confirm this, but David says, I delight, I enjoy, I take pleasure in doing your will. And he goes off and commits adultery and plots for murder. But, but, but what's the final actions? Because really, I think it's the final actions that ultimately reveal whether or not you really delight to do His will. David's final actions is what's written in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit against thee and thee only have I sinned. Wash me with hyssop, make me clean. That prayer proves his failures are not what proved because there was a conflicting law but his final response of repentance and honesty proved I delight to do your will
Praise God. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Sunday morning or evening or both. In Jesus' name, God bless you.